we're going to continue this morning with our series on unpacking the Christian life. And so if you would, take that outline that you have. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, they're pa also passed around for anybody that, that would like to write a note to Webster's wife. And uh, if you would do that, and you have my permission, if you, if you can listen in Sunday school and write a note, you're more than welcome to do that. But uh, this morning, we're in Romans chapter 7. Now, I want you to open your Bible to Romans 7. This, this is probably one of the uh, passages that uh, I have come to so many times in my Christian life. Uh, and, and when I think of the Apostle Paul, what a tremendous Christian Paul was after he got saved. But uh, it helps me. Does anybody else struggle in their life as a Christian? Anybody else? Uh, I, I, I think this hits so many of us, this matter of struggling. There you go. And, and so struggling is so much a part of the Christian life. And I think we just need some encouragement along the way. And I think there's so many things in the Bible that do encourage us. But Romans 7 is one of those places where I think to myself, if Paul struggled this bad, then uh, I, that gives me hope, you know, that if Paul was struggling the way he did, uh, then, then I look at my life and I look at all things there. So look in your Bibles this morning, and I've entitled the lesson, and hopefully you'll see it this morning, I've entitled it, It's Not Religion, It's a Relationship, all right? It's not religion, it's a relationship. Many of us are familiar with the word religion, and uh, there's a lot of misnomers there. But we'll talk about that this morning. So look in your notes here this morning in Romans chapter number 7, beginning in verse number 14. The Bible says here, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate that do I. Anybody else? Is this ringing true to many of you? Uh, it's, it's amazing the, the relevancy here. He says, uh, the things that I hate, that's what I do. Verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent under the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there dwelleth how many good things? There's no good thing. Look at that. He says, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. In other words, I've always got a desire to do the right thing. He says, but I just struggle when it comes to actually how do I do that. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now, here's this conclusion. I find then a law that when I do good, evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see uh, another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, look at me for a second. When you get saved, and I hope everyone this morning knows Christ as your Savior. When you got saved, did you become perfect? 
We're a long way from that, aren't we? But the reality is, is that every day of our lives, we struggle. There's this battle that goes on on a daily basis. And the Bible says here that it's in our members. In other words, as long as we're in this world, as long as we're in this flesh, we are prone to wander. You can see that time and time again in the children of Israel in the Old Testament. How many times did God try to keep them on the, on the right way, on the right path, but how many times did they wander away? And the same is true for us today as a part of the church is we have this tendency to wander away from God, to wander away from the relationship that God wants us to have with Him. Uh, I think if you look at it, look, life is a relationally. It's all about relationships. Uh, Brother Tim's mom and dad are here for Tyler's graduation, and, and uh, I haven't seen him for about a year. And I walked into their house and said, hey, pastor, how you doing? And we just kind of picked up right where we left off. We've got a relationship uh, with each other, and it's important that we see this because for many, the Christian life breaks down because we see it more as religion than what God's intended it to be, and that is a relationship. It just becomes a, a form. Now listen, we're talking about saved people today. We're not talking about this matter of, of what we're trusting in. We've already trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, but many of us are focused what we, after we get saved, here's what we try to do. We try to live the perfect life. We try to live the perfect life. And if you're like me, no one can. We miserably fail every day. We've come up short. And compared to God, our best efforts, you know what happens? Our best efforts leave us hopeless because we're not able. There's, there's an inability in us to live the Christian life on our own. Isaiah said in the Old Testament many years before this uh, passage we're looking at today, he says, we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness, notice here, are as filthy rags. Filthy rags. He says there's nothing good about us. And so if the Christian life is some sort of moral code, and it's not, but if it was some sort of moral code, then guess what? You and I, we can't do it. Uh, you know, it's just like the Pharisees were trying to get everybody to keep the laws. Yet the Bible says if you've offended one point, you've offended the whole law. And we see this morning that many times the focus in our lives becomes religion. You know what? Here's a simple little definition of what religion is. And you might not think of it this way, but this way I see it is it's a system that we've developed that we try to climb to God. That's what it is. That we're trying in some way in our own efforts to climb to get to God. And, and the reality is, is that when we live by a system like religion, it just complicates things in our lives. It really does. Frustration sets in because it's all about us earning God's approval. That's, that's how we live our lives. I want to earn God's approval. I've met a lot of people, and I, there's even some in this church, and listen, I love every one of them, but there are so many people, maybe, maybe it's insecurities, I don't know what it is, but sometimes instead of just realizing, hey, we're friends, 
and you don't have to do anything to be my friend. We're friends because we're friends. And I see a lot of times people giving things to other people. It's almost like they're trying to win their approval by giving those things. Listen, does not the Bible say that we've already been accepted in the beloved? Listen, the relationship that we are in was all founded by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It, it, it was none of us and all of him. Yet many times what we do is we try to earn the approval of God by behaving ourselves. It's kind of like when, when uh, if, you're, if you can think back this far, maybe when you were in elementary school, that if you, when you were in school, your teacher would tell you, now listen, if you do your work today and you behave yourselves, you're going to get to have recess. But if you don't obey and you don't do what you're supposed to, you just might find yourself in the principal's office. And that's, it, that's the way many of us think in our lives. But a, the sad note is, is that after salvation, and that we know what the Bible says, for by grace are you saved, right? See, but watch this. After, we know that we're not saved by works. But after salvation, watch this. We somehow move from grace to works as we live out our Christian life. We move from the grace of God into this system of works in our own practicality. We're, we don't look, we don't trust religion to save us, but what we end up doing is we trust our goodness to keep God smiling down upon us. And we're missing the whole thing about this relationship that we need to have because when we have a life that is built on a system of religion after we are saved, that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ tends to start to fade. The excitement of the new relationship, it's like a lot of times I see this probably more in husbands than I do in wives, how excited they are when they first come together in a relationship but over the course of time, they start to take things for granted. And the excitement is gone. Folks, listen, uh, don't ever get over your salvation. I hope that, you, look, to me, it's as fresh today as it was the day 33 years ago that I trusted Christ as my Savior. Every day is sweeter than the day before. We've got to enjoy the Christian life. And you're, listen, you're not going to enjoy it if it's a system of you trying to climb in this area of religion, it's all about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. At some point, here's what happens. The Lord moves from being, now this is your, your and my thinking, not God's, but somehow along the way, the Lord moves from being our Savior to our sheriff. You know, it's like, it's like, we have a totally different mindset uh, of, of who the Lord is, and our security that we have in Christ gives way to sweat. It's like, I got to do this, I got to do this. There's a lot of Christians today, they do what they do out of duty instead of out of love. Uh, listen, folks, it doesn't, you don't have to, for me, I don't have to think long about what the Lord's done for me, just like the songwriter wrote, all to him I owe. Jesus did everything for us, and we have to understand that the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, look at this, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but what has God given us? He's given us 
power and love and sound mind. So as we have this relationship, what is that relationship built on? Well, look, the greatest asset we have is the Word of God. And it's the heart of God that through the Word of God, we would be comforted, we would be established in our relationship with the Lord. So notice number one, what Paul is getting to in Romans 7 is, first of all, that we, you and I, we need to learn to calibrate our lives in a biblical framework. Calibrate our lives in a biblical framework. Now, how many of you have ever gone to uh, maybe out to eat? Most time it's probably a fast food place. And uh, you, you order your meal and then they give you a glass and you go over to some sort of a, a, a soda fountain and, and you pick out whichever flavor you want and you fill your glass and you take a drink of it and it tastes either watery or like seltzer water. Ain't that ever happened to anybody? And you just about spit it all out on the machine whenever you take that drink of it, right? Because you thought it was going to be Pepsi or Coke or Mountain Dew. And, and you know what happened was is that somehow along the way, that machine got out of calibration. Do you know that can happen in your life as a Christian? From time to time, we as Christians get out of calibration, and uh, it, it always amazed me. My wife and I, we, we met under the Golden Arches years ago, and, uh, and there was a lot of things I found out about this McDonald's, for some of you who don't know what the Golden Arches are. And, and, and we, we were, some of you were like trying to figure that one out. And, and so one of the things we learned when we went through the training was, is that McDonald's, they calibrate their Coca-Cola five part syrup to one part water, seltzer water. And, it, and it, that syrup, you know what syrup does? It makes you what? It may, well, yeah, that, that too. <laughs> that too. <laughs> hey, control your wife over there. And uh, <laughs> I was going to say thirsty is what I was going to say. <laughs> wow. All right. So, uh, be careful about what you ask in Sunday school sometimes. So, so here's the thing is, out of all the things she could have said, that's where she went. But, but here's the thing is, is that we've got to calibrate ourselves to the Bible. There has to be a framework why? Because we're Christians. We're God's people, and if we're God's people, then we should follow God's instructions. And God's given those to us in the Word of God. So here's, when you think about this relationship, we have to understand this relationship if we're going to understand what real Christianity is. Can I tell you that real Christianity is not a system? And real Christianity is not a structure. Real Bible Christianity is a person. It's a person. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what Paul said in Philippians 3, that I may know the system, that I may know the structure. No, Paul says that I may know him. He says that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Paul says, that's the desire of my life, is to have this relationship. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Religion and systems and structures will let you down, but Jesus never will. He never will. Can I tell you this morning, look, Brother Barton's not disappointed. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with who? With the Lord. Brother Barton's in a much better place. 
You know, Brother Barton just decided, I'm convinced of this, he just decided he didn't want to go through rehabilitation. He just decided he was going to go to heaven. You know, I mean, folks, understand this morning that we're talking about calibrating our lives to the Word of God. When we were born into the family of God, well, how does that happen? Through salvation. The Bible tells us that not only were we born into the family of God, but we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Look what it says in 1 John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called what? The sons of God. And ladies, can I tell you this morning, that's all inclusive. That's not just males there. That's everyone that has been born again. We need to adjust our thinking to the Word of God. We, we live in a time where everybody wants to share anything and everything that's on their mind. And, and Pastor, I want to tell you something. I, I'm, I, I'm not... Uh, I, I, I'm not, uh, you know, it doesn't bother me when somebody wants to share something. But folks, you have to understand that if I got up in that sacred desk and I just started sharing my opinions and my thoughts, most people would be like, well, listen, I don't care what you think. But we're living in such a day now that that's what our major universities have become. They're no longer a place of higher education and learning. They're a place of the professors who are vile and wicked people are standing and, and using that platform to share what they think instead of what they ought to be teaching in that particular subject. Well, listen, folks, when you come to church, I hope that that's one place that you hear the truth. Can I tell you that if you're in a church that's not giving the truth, then you don't need to be in that church. And I'm glad that I'm, a, I'm in a Bible church this morning. And as a whole, when we think about this Christian experience, this relationship, folks, listen, it has to be framed by the Word of God. So I want you to look with me this morning through two lenses. The first one we've been talking about is the lens of religion. When you look through the lens of religion, here's what you find is, you find that God is distant. That it's almost like he doesn't care about your pain. So many times people feel like God is impersonal, that you can't know him. By the way, I'm talking about religious structure and systems today that say you cannot know God. But yet the Bible tells us we can. The Bible says... By these things ye shall know that you have eternal life. God wants us to know him, but religion is like a spiritual ladder that you and I may, might try to climb to get closer to God, to be accepted by God. And look, with every step that a person goes higher in life, guess what they do? They congratulate themselves. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. But with every failure, here's what we do is, we tend to berate ourselves. We feel shame and guilt because we're not taking those steps. Maybe we feel like we're not pleasing to God. And so what religion does is it sends you on this never-ending journey that you'll never get satisfied in your life. There won't be hope like you would find as a Christian. You're always working to gain approval after you have been saved. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not talking about working to be saved. I'm talking about we are saved. And Paul's saying, look, this is one thing that many people struggle with because religion, if I can use that word, is a mentality that causes us to build our own measuring stick. I've seen this happen so many times. 
People have this way that they develop, they begin to compare themselves, and here's what they use as the gauge. They use earthly human standards as the gauge. Do you know what our goal is? To be like Him. That's what our goal is. Folks, it's foolish to compare yourselves, especially to human or earthly things. Look at the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, we dare not to make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, for they measuring themselves by themselves. <laughs> Did you get that? They measure themselves by themselves. You know, when you were, when, if you had children, do you remember the day where, uh, I've seen quite a few people do this, they actually will, and you have to live at a house long enough for this to work, but they'll have their kids stand up against a door jam, and they'll put marks on there, and they'll write their name by it, and the age at that, and, and again, you can, never, you can never paint that door jam. You know, the, the mom would just soon take that piece of trim off and save that. Mothers save everything. Locks of hair, all kinds of things, you know. But, but you compare that and you're like, wow, look, at, look how short you were there, but look how tall you are there, you know. And uh, we were looking at some pictures the other day of Tyler, and I was like, that's Tyler? You know, because Tyler's, I'm looking up at Tyler now, you know. And he's a little bitty old guy. But listen, folks, if we're going to compare ourselves to anyone, we need to, we need to look to Jesus, Instead of comparing ourselves, look, I, I, I love Brother Gilbert, but I don't want to be like Brother Gilbert. I don't want to be like Brother, you know. You know, I, I, I've got higher goals than that is to be like Brother Gilbert, you know. And, and, and guess what? Brother Gilbert doesn't want to be me. So watch it, watch it. That's the one chance I gave you. And, so here's the thing is, is that when we look through the lens of religion, God is distant. He's impersonal. But look at the second lens, the lens of relationship. And this is what Paul's talking about, is having a proper relationship. It's the biblical view. It's having a relationship built on the truth. Why is the truth so important? Remember what Jesus said? He said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what for you? It's going to make you free. People need to know the truth. When people wander through the doors of this church and, they, and they're here in the services and then they come by after the service, they might say a kind word to me, about, about one in a million do, but when they come by out there, when they say something, listen, I know for a fact that what they're saying is the truth today helped me. They're not saying you helped me. I might have been the one that said it, but it was God that gave me the words to say. And listen, that's what people need. Look, a friend, if, if a friend loves someone, they will tell them the truth. Now, they'll do it in love, but understand this morning that if we're going to be in this relationship, it has to be founded upon the truth. I can't think of a marriage relationship that's, that, that listen, if it's going to be strong, it has to be built on the truth. There has to be a solid foundation. That's what God's given us. Look, the climbing in this relationship, not religion, the climbing that we talked about in religion gives way to resting. See, when you're in a relationship, you're not working for God's approval. He loves you. Matter of fact, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved you before you ever loved Him, right? This whole relationship started with his love, not your love. And so we see this morning 
that God's grace and the goodness of God, it crushes all those spiritual ladders of religion, and the cross of Jesus Christ actually bridges the gap between God and man. This matter of religion becomes a relationship. God invites us to come to Him. Look, it's not like God is distant to us. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 4. It says, therefore, let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God wants us to approach Him. Do you get that this morning? God wants you to come to Him. But yet in religion, God's distant. You know, you can't know Him. But yet the Bible says here that God wants us to come. And I love the way there are so many verses in the Bible that describe our new relationship with Him after we get saved. Uh, John 3 and verse 3, the words there, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. Remember the, the, the comment Nicodemus made? He says, how can a man be born when he's old? You know, uh, he's probably thinking, you know, I was a nine pounder for my mom and look at me now. There's no way I can enter into my mother's womb and be born again. No, no, no. It's to be born from above. It's a new birth. And, and he talks about this relationship. Second Corinthians 5, 17, you know the verse, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, right? We're in Christ. We're a new creature. Ephesians 1.7, I love this, in whom we have redemption. Well, that redemption to be redeemed came through the blood of Jesus Christ. We think about this relationship. It's all about him, and it's not about us at all. If you look at those verses and many others in the Bible, notice there, it, none of these verses, like religion, implies self-efforts. What I can do. It's all about what God's done for us. God is doing something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. You know what he's doing? God is rescuing us. God saved us. He's delivered us. Look at Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that, watch the words, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Did you get that? Who's the, who began the work? Yeah, he did, not us, right? God began the work, and watch this. Here's his promise. I began the work, and I'm going to finish the work. See, God, God doesn't do things halfway. God's not a quitter, and it's not about what we can do or what ladder we can climb or what structure we can be a part of or what system we can say we're a part of. It's that, hey, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. And it's all because of what he's done for me. Paul says, listen, it's, it's exciting to think about this relationship because the relationship that we are in is a relationship that is built on unconditional acceptance. Did you hear that? Unconditional acceptance. That means that once you are saved, you are a child of God. God will never, like this world, God will never divorce you. No. See, you're accepted in the Beloved. And I find unconditional acceptance, and I find absolute dependence. Every day, watch this, your prayer ought to be like mine, Lord, I need you today. You know why? Because we're still in this flesh. I still struggle. See, when you look through the lens 
things look different. The lens of religion. So many Christians today, watch this, they're saved, but the reason that they're struggling is because they're trying to live a certain way to please God. But what they need is just to, just to get closer to Him in that relationship. I hope you understand that this morning. All of that is because of the biblical framework, and we need to calibrate that framework in our lives. Your life and mine have to be built on the Word of God. Look at the second thing Paul gets to. He says not only do we need to calibrate our lives, but he says we need to clarify something. He says we need to clarify the hope that we have in expectations. Uh, one thing Jesus said when he came is that he said that he came to give us Watch this, not just life, but abundant life. There's a difference between life and abundant life. And as you think about what he said, look at John 10.10. 10. He says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now here's the problem. We're saved. We know that verse, we've heard it before, but we really don't understand what abundant life is. So I'm glad you asked. All right? We're in Sunday school this morning. So let's talk about the abundant life, because a lot of times what we do, first of all, is we look at what we expect from Jesus. Did you hear what that, I said there? What we expect from Jesus. How ridiculous of us to expect things of Him. We have wrong assumptions. We sometimes even misapply the Word of God in our lives. We think that becoming a Christian should make us happy. Now, when you think about that, understand this morning that the joy that Jesus promised to us doesn't mean that we're never going to face pain. I've known a lot of Christians today who have gone through uh, some very difficult times that have endured a lot of pain, but guess what? They still have joy from the Lord. See, they go hand in hand. The Bible says, thou shalt, thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy presence. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So being a Christian, a lot of times we just assume that it's going to be something to make us happy. Also, what we think about this is that we think that peace, having the peace of God is something that is the absence of having any conflict or struggle. The Bible says, The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I mean, listen, when Paul got saved and, and began to live for the Lord, began, began to, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul. there were many times that Paul was sitting in that jail, listening this morning, he was sitting in that jail and he had the peace of God. I mean, he's singing praises at midnight, chained to Silas. I guarantee you, Silas probably didn't have deodorant on. And Silas was probably like me. He probably couldn't sing on key. But Paul was still singing praises to God. See, peace is something that we need to understand, but oftentimes along with that peace come conflict and struggles. We, we presume that to be forgiven will lead to immediate victory over sin. We think to ourselves, hey, I've been forgiven by God, but look what the Bible says, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. 
See, when we get saved, we understand. We just read a little while ago, we have this new life in Christ. So we think that the new life is going to be easier than the old life. And so what we find is quite the opposite. But I, I love the fact that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, we think about this so much that we don't understand that happiness, listen now, happiness and pain can coexist. We don't understand that many times. We fail to see that peace doesn't remove conflict. The reality is, watch this, once we're saved and we're in Christ, that it actually rises above the conflict. We also think about this, that forgiveness of sin doesn't remove the struggle with sin. Remember we read in Romans 7, Paul writes there and he talks about, look, I know that I'm saved, but I'm still struggling. I, 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 sin is still present. He says, it's in my members. And then we have false assumptions. And many times, you know what false assumptions do? They just set us up for disappointment. And many times there's what happens is we become disappointed in Jesus or we become disappointed with the Christian life and look, I hope in your life you see that this is what happens when we expect things because we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. But look, at the second thing is sometimes we also look at what we experience in Jesus. This is what Paul's writing in Romans chapter number 7. He's talking about that present struggle in his life, the conflict that is going on. Look, when we got saved, just like when you get married... You want, to have, you want to live in bliss, but many times what happens is that you see more burdens. I mean, certainly, Paul had things in his life before he got saved, but boy, you, you, if you're like me, you've read many times how he was shipwrecked and he, how he was stoned and he was beaten and he spent all these nights in the deep and all the things that Paul went through, look, look the burdens became more and more. We understand that there are many times, as he describes, uncomfortable realities in our lives, things that are very uncomfortable. We find joy in our lives, but along with that joy, you know what we find? Hardness. Sometimes you see, as it says in Hebrews 10, we call to remembrance, look at the verse, the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of affliction. Now, don't look, many times I've said this, People, people say to me, well, listen, if that's what it means to be a Christian is I'm going to have all these things I'm going to have to deal with, all these troubles, all these things. Uh, can I tell you that the rain falls on the just and the unjust? That I see unsaved people go through very difficult things just like I see saved people. The difference is I'd much rather go through them with the Lord than to go through them without the Lord. And this is what we see this morning. See, after we got saved and after we followed, began to follow the Lord, what happened is in our lives is maybe our, the peace was clouded with conflict. Look what Paul writes, and this was a huge part of the, the small book we call the book of Galatians, but it goes right along with Romans 7. Look what it says here. The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh... And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Every day, look, you have to wake up in the morning, and here's what you need to decide. What am I going to feed the most today? 
The flesh or the spirit? The Bible tells the Christian to walk in the spirit and to not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We need to be spirit-filled in our lives. See, our new birth, you know what it did when you got saved, just like for me? It, it gives us an awareness of our own sinfulness. Look, we're saved, yes, praise the Lord for that. But in our lives, because of the nature, understand this morning that there is sinfulness, and that's why in verse 19 he says, the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, Paul says, that's what I do. So becoming a Christian, do you remember before you got saved, you had a lot of questions and after you got saved, many of those questions were answered. But watch this. Is it not true that, that although some of those questions got answered, that when you became a Christian, now you have a whole new set of questions? And do you know that God, in many times, will not give you the answer to all those questions? Uh, and, and there are reasons sometimes why, why God will not give you the answer to all those questions. But I will tell you this, that's where faith comes in is we need, need to trust God. How many of you trust the Lord today? Yeah, I hope that you've learned to trust in Him. And so the Bible says, uh, and this is a great verse for our lives where we are right now, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. I told one of our ladies this morning, I said, I can just, I can just imagine the conversation that Webster's having with Jesus right now. I can just imagine. Say, Pastor, why do you think that way? Because Brother Webster and I had some great conversations, and he always had a tremendous spirit, but he studied the Word of God. And he was always asking me things. And there were times where I, I would say to him, Brother Webster, you got me on that one. <laughs> I didn't have an answer for him, but I'll tell you this, he's face to face today, but we're not. See, right now, we don't understand it all. But we understand that the Lord wants us to have hope, and our hope is not in some religion. Our hope is in a relationship with Jesus Christ so let me give you something and we'll be done this morning. Notice thirdly, we've got to consider our freedom in biblical realities. We've got to consider our, our freedom in biblical realities. Go back to Romans 7 again. I want you to look at the conclusion that Paul states here. And we know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? These aren't Paul's words. These are God's words. But look at verse 25. Uh, excuse me, verse 24 and verse 25. Here's what he says. O wretched man that Brother Gilbert is. Is that what the Bible says? No, it says, yeah, Brother Tim's Bible says that. But, but here's what he says. Paul says, O wretched man that I am. That's what he said. He's talking about himself. Paul's pointing the finger at, his, at himself. And by the way, when I read that verse, guess what? I put myself in the place of that letter I. And the Bible says, what, wretched, what a wretched man I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So what Paul was saying is, my deliverance in life is not from me. My deliverance is from the Lord. God is the one that delivers me. So let me give you a, a few thoughts and we'll be done. Number, letter A, look at the first one. 
We are saved, but guess what? We struggle. And can I tell you, if you haven't learned it this morning, I hope that you get this before you leave. Struggling as a Christian is normal. It's normal. You know, folks, look, I would almost be scared if I was saved and I wasn't struggling. Okay, so struggling is normal. Look at the second one. We are dependent in every way. We are dependent in every way. Every day in every way, we are 100% dependent on the Lord and we are 100% dependent on His grace. The Bible says we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And I love this. Watch this. God is the one that provides the resources. God does the work. And guess what? Because he provides the resources and he does the work, God should get the glory. How dare us take the glory from where it belongs? It belongs to him. Because without him, there are no resources. And without him, there's not the right work. And so we see this morning, we are dependent. The Bible says, it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So look, we are saved, yeah, but we're struggling. We are dependent in every way, but look at the letter C. There is an unconditional acceptance. We are unconditionally accepted. In your life and mine this morning, understand that we are secure and we are loved by God. Isn't that a wonderful thought this morning? That we are secure and loved by the Lord. So look, here's the, here's the summary. You know what religion does? It frustrates people. It really does. It frustrates people to try harder, but watch this, because they fall short many times, here's what happens, they quit. Because that's what you'll do if you live by a system instead of by a person. But see, relationship is something where we are unconditionally connected to the grace of God. I love this verse. Look at it. It says, John 1, 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So look, are you, watch this, are you in a religion this morning or are you in a relationship this morning? And I hope you're in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you read Romans 7 like I do, understand the struggle is real, but aren't you glad that you're not going through it alone? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Pray that you bless the word to our hearts. Thank you for the encouragement that we receive. Lord, even though we struggle, that we know that you are there with us. You're ever present. Bless the service in just a few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.